Welcome to the podcast of Seven Rivers Presbyterian Church in Lakanto, Florida. Our passion is to be a church that enjoys God, experiences His grace, and reflects His love to our community and beyond. To join our local body in financial support of this ministry, visit our website at sevenrivers.org. My name is Mikey Puckett. I'm the youth pastor here at Southern Rivers Church, and I get the honor to get to speak to you this morning. Uh, but this morning, I, I'm a little bit more sad because uh, I received the news that Bobby Bowden has passed away, and I'm a diehard Seminole fan, but um, I, I do think it fits with what we're going to be speaking about um, this morning because at the end of his life, um, when, when it was released that he only had a few more weeks left to live, Coach Bowden um, shared that the greatest thing about his life was his family and his friends and his God. And then he said this at the end, and this marveled reporters and journalists, that he was at peace with his coming end. Are you at peace with the end that is coming your way? Are you at peace with dying? That's the challenge, and that's the thing to think about um, right now and this morning, and that I want you to be thinking about this morning. So, one of my greatest fears in my whole life, and this happens to me when I, whenever I'm like getting ready for the day and I look down in the sink or when I'm taking a shower, I look down at the drain, I see these little squiggly lines rolling down the drain and I get worried because it's my hair. I'm sorry, children are dismissed. Kindergarten uh, through seven, second grade. You don't want to hear this. You don't want to hear this. I get worried. It's, it's my hair. I'm freaking out. I'm, I'm so concerned. And, and I, every time I'm like, I'm scared to shampoo my hair. I'm, sh- I'm scared to go to my hairdresser and get my hair cut. Um, I go to the hairdresser and I say, hey, when the day comes, when you see the, the, the patches, and you're like, all right, we're really trying to comb over this uh, receding hairline. I need you to be honest with me and say it's time to let it go and pull out the buzzers, okay? So that, I, I have that deal with my hairdresser. Um, she told me that she will, she will make sure um, that she lets me know. Um, but what are you gonna do when you lose your hair, okay? What are you gonna do when your car transmission blows on the highway? What are you gonna do when your children uh, leave for college? What are you gonna do if you're single and you never find your soulmate, your true love? What are you gonna do if your spouse one day doesn't show up and serves you papers? What are you gonna do when you go to the doctor and he comes in the room and says you have cancer? What are you gonna do when your spouse is putting the hairbrush in the refrigerator and is diagnosed with Alzheimer's? What are you gonna do if COVID never goes away? Do you ever feel like you're on a sinking ship? Do you feel like your life is like constantly filling up buckets full of water on the Titanic and dumping it out overboard? Do you ever feel like your life is meaningless? I mean, what are we doing? What are we supposed to do when we have an ending and we know there's an ending and we know there's a guarantee that in the end, we die? The preacher in Ecclesiastes takes us through this whole mindset and whole viewpoint. And here we are at the end of the book. 
and he gives us an answer about what we should do on a sinking ship. So will you stand with me and read Ecclesiastes 12, one through eight? This is God's word, it's eternal. It's going to last long, long, long after our words and long, long after the sermon. So listen closely to what he says. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. And the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few. And those who look through the windows are dimmed and the doors on the street are shut and the sound of the grinding is low. And one rises up at the sound of a bird, and all the daughters of song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high, and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms still. The grasshopper drags itself along, and desire fails, because man is going to his eternal home. And the mourners go about the streets. Remember your creator before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern. And the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher. All is vanity. You may take a seat. The preacher paints us a picture of a world that is sinking, that is drowning. He tells a story of creation coming undone, he paints a picture of our inevitable doom and the inevitable doom of our planet. And he leaves us asking this. Has our creator, has our God forgotten us? So take out your sermon outlines. The first point is forgotten. Do you feel forgotten? I mean, when you consider that you are born into a planet that has an end date, when you consider that you're born into a body that eventually will decay and return to dust, does it not make you feel like this is some sick joke? Does it not make you feel like you have been abandoned by God and forgotten? There was a day when we never ever had to worry about what we were going to eat. We didn't have to cook our meals because our mothers would feed us. And there was a day when we were first married and in love, but now, We've wounded each other and hurt each other and said the worst things possible to one another more times than we could ever count. And there was a day when our children only needed a diaper change and a good night's rest. But now they need a therapist. And now they need medicine for their mental illness. There was a day when we could wrestle with our grandchildren on the floor, but now our bodies are breaking and no longer can we have such fun. There was a day when our mind was sharp and we could remember, but now it's become foggy and our memory is fading and we are forgetting. We are decaying. We are returning back to our original state as dust, as dirt. In Ecclesiastes 12.6, if you look there, the preacher uses symbols from Hebrew culture that represent life like a silver cord a golden bowl, a pitcher at the fountain, and a wheel at the cistern, all representing life. In each case, though, in Ecclesiastes 12, those items are broken. 
representing the inevitable doom of our lives. He emphasizes this in the following verse where he, he talks about us returning and all things returning back to dust, back to its original state before God came and spoke and created. So why do we feel forgotten? We feel forgotten because where is God as our bodies decay? Where is God when we're diagnosed with cancer? And in order to answer this question, I think we have to ask another one. Why? Why are we doomed? Why are we set up to die? In Genesis 1, we see God creates all things out of nothing. In his creating, he takes chaos and brings order. And in his his creating, he takes dust, piles of dust, and forms them into his image and then brings life into them. Creation. But in Ecclesiastes 12, we see all of this come undone. We see the undoing of creation. We see the image of young people growing older and their bodies wearing out. We see a creation with blossoming trees and grasshoppers and animals that we are supposed to enjoy and soak in, but we cannot because our bodies are failing, our eyesight is dimming, our ears are growing deaf, and our energy is shrinking. We see images of the creation, the sun, light, moon, and stars becoming dark. Returning back to chaos. Returning back to nothingness. Why does the silver cord one day have to snap? Why does the golden bowl one day have to break? And my initial response reading this, and when I read this, my initial response is, it's God because you allowed it to happen, Father. It's because it's your fault. You're the one letting this happen. You can stop this if you wanted. It's because you forgot me, Father. You forgot me. Do you guys know the story of Peter Pan? Have you seen the Disney movie, the animation? They tell, it's a wonderful story. It's a beautiful story. Um, it's a story about a boy who never grows up. He lives in Neverland and leads a tribe of lost boys. Now, when you first watch the movie or you hear about the story of Peter Pan, uh, you figure out quickly that Peter once had a mom and dad. But the way that Peter tells the story and the way that the story is told is that uh, his mom and dad forgot him. Abandon him. But if you read the story of Peter Pan, you learn that Peter forgot his parents. Peter ran away from his parents. When we tell the story, it's oftentimes we'd like to say our parents forgot us, our father's forgotten us. But has he? In Luke 15, the father of the prodigal son, does he forget his son or does his son forget the father? The story of the lost sheep. When the shepherd leaves the 99 to find the one, does the sheep forget the shepherd to follow or does the shepherd forget the sheep? What's the true story? Who forgets who? I remember at Disney World, I, was, I grew up in Orlando, Florida. I was a 
a little kid at the time, and we went, and we were at Magic Kingdom, the most magical place on earth, and we were on Main Street, and they were doing this parade, and it's absolutely mesmerizing, these parades. I mean, full characters. I mean, you're seeing everybody. You're seeing the floats. It's absolutely amazing, and it's and, and, and just complete. You got the drumming and the music and, and the smell of that ice cream shop uh, that is so delicious, and I was completely sucked into the moment, focused on the parade, completely distracted, so much so that when the parade ended, and I looked to my left, and I looked to my right, I did not see my parents. I did not see my siblings. And I was scared. I'd forgotten them. I'd forgotten to follow them when they left. And so I panicked, and I actually went to Cinderella's castle, where everyone takes those pictures, and I wept tears. And I, my hands, you know, I was weeping into my hands. And finally, when I brought myself through and I pulled down my hands to look up, I looked down Main Street and there was my dad running towards me, running after me. He didn't forget me. He didn't forget me. I forgot him. In the beginning, creation is very good. And it all unravels because we forgot God. In the early 20th century, you used to travel across the Atlantic Ocean by boat. And so there was this company that was like, we're going to make an unsinkable ship. And in 1912, on a nice April day, the Titanic set sail with 2,200 passengers. But there's a catch. They only had enough lifeboats for in case of an emergency, they could only rescue 1,200 passengers. The foolishness of man, the arrogance of man, and the sin of man. On April 15th, the Titanic would sink, and only 705 people would be rescued. Imagine being on that ship. Imagine being on a sinking ship with not enough lifeboats. Imagine being on a sinking ship with no one to rescue you. This is the way of life under the sun. This is the way of life in our sin. And this is what we get for forgetting God. You forgot him. You are sinking. You are drowning. Has God forgotten you? Second point, remembered. In St. Louis, I was part of a PCH church uh, while I was going to seminary, and there was a man um, called Jim, and he was an elder at our church, and his wife, uh, early on when I was there, my first year or so, his wife was diagnosed with dementia, and she quickly declined, and so he, he eventually got to a point where he wasn't able to take care of her anymore. And so he had to place her in a nursing home, and he places his wife in a nursing home, and you know what Jim did? He didn't place her in the nursing home and just visit once a week. But he visited every day, from morning to night, from breakfast, lunch, and dinner, to watching their favorite TV show before she goes to sleep. And do you know what happened? As each day passed, each month passed, his beloved forgot him more and more. It became harder and harder for her to remember. And eventually, she remembered him no more. She had forgotten him. But here's what's beautiful. Even though she forgot him, Jim still visited. 
Even though to her, he was a stranger, he still ate breakfast, lunch, and dinner with his beloved. Even though she forgot, he remembered. Has God forgotten you? In verse 1 of Ecclesiastes 12, we see that God is a creator. He's your maker. And then in verse 7, you see that the spirit, when your body fails, it will return back to God. And in verse 11, you see God as a good shepherd, the one shepherd who gives his wisdom and his word to guide you through this moment of a ship sinking. And in verse 14, God is a judge who will judge you of all things you did under the sun, whether good or bad. Why? Because he remembers what you did and what you've done. God remembers you even though you have forgotten him. and He will never stop remembering you. We still have a problem, though. We're sinking and we're drowning. I'm going to die. You're going to die. Is there anyone who will save me? The preacher wants you to ask these questions and to consider this and to consider this truth. If God does not exist, then life truly is meaningless. This ship is going down and there is no one who can stop it. No matter how hard you try, you cannot prevent it. The preacher doesn't know as he writes, if there is any hope for rescue. He doesn't know if there's any other way to simply live and to simply die. He doesn't know for sure if God will rescue his people. But what he does know is the story of his creator. He knows the story of a God who out of nothing spoke and created all things. He knows the story of a God out of chaos spoke and brought order. He knows the story of a God who took dirt and made image bearers. In verse one, he wants you to remember the story. As your body decays and becomes undone, as you fall back into nothingness and chaos and dirt, he wants you to remember where you came from. He wants you to remember your creator. Who is to say that he won't take your dust and make you new again? Who is to say that when the world returns back to nothing and chaos, that he won't simply just speak and say, let there be light again? He did it once. He'll do it again. Look at the end of verse five. The preacher says that man has an eternal trajectory heading to um, the grave, but has an eternal home. Is your death the end? Beloved church, do you remember your creator? Do you remember the story in the beginning when with his words he created all things? And then the benefit of us living in a moment that we live in now. The preacher did not live in a moment like this. John 1, when John says that the word became flesh, the word was with God in the beginning. In John 8, when Jesus says, before Abraham was born, I am. In John 11, when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he has an earthly death, yet shall he live. And then in Revelation 21, when John writes, I saw a new heaven, a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away. And then we have Jesus sitting on the throne of God, and he says right now, this is where he is right now, he says this to you, seven rivers. Behold, I am making all things new. 
I'm recreating. Do you remember your God? Do you know your God? Do you know that God remembers you? Where's the proof, though, that he remembers us on a sinking ship? It's Jesus. What does God do when our ship is sinking, when our life is falling apart? He sends a rescuer. The Coast Guard understands this clearly, that when they get a call and there's a, 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 a mayday and a ship is going down, they know that someone has to get out of the helicopter and come down to the ship to rescue the people on that ship. Jesus is the one on our sinking ships. He rescues us from God's judgment and wrath and from our earthly deaths. And he offers us a new life beyond our deaths. He will recreate. He will restore. He is the creator. Remember him. Remember him while you still can. Jesus never forgot his father, but his father forgot him and remembered you. The father turns his face away from Jesus on the cross when all our sin is poured out on Jesus and he pays the price. The father turns his face from him and where is he turning his face to? To you. And he locks eyes on you. Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? Why have you forgotten me? The Father forgets Jesus so that he can remember you. There are two kinds of people in this room right now. There are those who will be forgotten, and there are those who will be remembered. Which one are you? Matthew 7, 21 through 23, Jesus is saying that at the end times, at judgment and day, at the day of the Lord, that there are going to be people who called upon his name and said his name said, and came to church and sat in the pews and said, I, I believe in you, Jesus. You know, you're the man. Um, I'm all about you. Um, and, and I did all these things for you. And look what I've done for you. And Jesus will say this to them. I never knew you. I don't remember you. Who will Jesus remember? Will he remember you? I remember going to my counselor. I was a complete mess. I was in seminary, um, which is a problem because I shouldn't have been in seminary, and I was struggling, and I was, I was newly married, and I had all these issues, and I came to my counselor, and I shared with him all these things that was, I was going through and all these things that I've done and all these regrets and shame and feelings that I had experienced, and then I was sharing how hard I was trying to make it right and to fix it. And then my counselor asked me this question that completely convicted me, and I want to ask it to you. He said, Mikey, if at the end of your life, you never figure it out, if at the end of your life, you're still coming to me with all these problems and with all these issues, if at the end of your life, you divorce your wife, you abandon your kids, you hurt your family and you wound them immeasurably, if at the end of your life, you're on your deathbed and you die alone, do you believe that God will still save you? Do you believe that you can be rescued if you never figure it out, if you never get it right, 
if, any, if, if, if in all reality you actually fall apart? Do you believe that Jesus will rescue you, will remember you? The people that Jesus remembers is, are not the ones who figure it out, are not the ones who are quote-unquote perfect, are not the ones who get it right, but are the ones who give their life to Jesus. You know these people. You've seen these people. These are the people who give their life to Jesus and who remember Jesus on their sinking ships. These are the people who remember Jesus when they're diagnosed with cancer, who remember Jesus at the end, who remember Jesus like the thief on the cross, right? You have this thief who deserves to die. He's being crucified next to Jesus. He's earned every ounce of that crucifixion. And he's at the moments before he would breathe his final breath. And he confesses that Jesus is the Son of God. And he asks Jesus this question, will you remember me? And Jesus says, I will. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Remember your creator. Remember Jesus before it's too late. The preacher says that this is the meaning of life, is to remember Jesus. Do you know Jesus? Because right now, in this moment, there is still time. But there's no guarantees for tomorrow. There's no guarantees that you'll be okay when you drive home after church. Right now, there is time. So if you do anything today, confess your sin. Believe in Jesus as the Son of God, Savior of your life and King of your life, and repent. Why wait another second? Why wait another moment? We're all drowning, but there is a rescue plan. What do we do? What do we do? How do we go from here, and, and what are we supposed to do as the world's coming to an end? Verse 13 in Ecclesiastes, look there. It says, fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. It's remembering God. It's remembering him and obeying him in response. So for those who are young and death seems far, for those in this room who are young and death seems far, spend your days remembering Jesus before it's too late. It's going to mean that you're gonna suffer. It's going to mean that it will be incredibly painful and hurtful. It'll mean that no one is going to understand why you're saving sex for marriage. It'll mean that no one will understand why you're attending a sex addict recovery group for just a little bit of pornography. It will mean no one will understand why you forgive people instead of cancel people. It'll mean that no one will understand why you are more excited to give your money away than to invest it in a Roth IRA. And for those in this world who are old and death seems really close, spend your days remembering Jesus before it's too late. It's, it means you're gonna suffer. It means it will be painful. It means that no one will understand why you are investing in a Christian school in the middle of Citrus County. It will mean no one will understand why you go to your chemo treatments with joy because you get to see your nurses and doctors and tell them about Jesus. It will mean that no one will understand why you spend more time in your final days saying sorry than I told you so. 
It'll mean no one will understand why you continue to serve a church and build a community that you will never see with your own eyes grow. Martin Luther once said this, even if I knew that tomorrow the world would go to pieces, I would still plant my apple tree. So let's go plant an apple tree on our sinking ships. This makes me think about my grandmother, Panna. She was diagnosed uh, with brain, uh, not brain, breast cancer. And she would fly to Houston, Texas at MD Anderson uh, for treatment. And she didn't know why God gave her breast cancer, but she remembered her creator. And she treated those trips like mission trips. I feel bad for every person who sat next to her on the plane. I would have hated it. I'd be like, oh my gosh, I did not want to talk to you right now. But she would sit down next to them and ask them about their story and then share with them about her love for Jesus and how she has breast cancer and how she's trusting him. And it was moving people. And then she would go see her nurses and doctors and pastor them and minister to them and share about the love of Jesus that she has found. She had so much joy in that. She believed that God placed her on a sinking ship of breast cancer to lead everyone in worship of her creator and maker. I remember Amy Kelso nearing the end of her life. Emily and, and my newborn son, Tripp, they went to visit her when she was very sick and, and we didn't know how long she had. And Emily, I remember her coming home and telling me that Tripp was a mess the whole time. He was crying, crying, crying. It was completely embarrassing because here's Amy, you know, at the end of her life and here we are bringing in this, just this mess of emotions and, and this kid that's crying, this newborn. And you know what Amy did? This is absolutely the most Amy thing ever. She said, give me that baby. So Emily hands, you know, Tripp to Amy, and she held him in her arms. She said, Tripp, Tripp, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Someone at the end of their life saying it's going to be okay. To this little baby, he's crying because he's just hungry. Amy used to lead us in worship here, right? And there were Easter Sunday. I mean, she's, she's at the end. She's up here singing. What did Amy do at the end of her life? She led us in worship. What did the passengers do on the Titanic when they were sinking? Do you know the story? They played music and they sang hymns. And the song that the survivors said that they were playing at the very end before they went down was nearer my God to thee. They remembered their creator who was near, who died like them and rose from the dead like they would one day do. And they worshiped. The world and people of the world believe that their death days are the worst days. But Christians are crazy, okay? They're crazy people because they believe that in the end, that their death days are their greatest days. So to those who are old and nearing death, the best day is yet to come. The best day is yet to come. What did my family and friends do on the day that Blakely died, my daughter? We gathered together on a Sunday morning. We brought a guitar into the hospital room. We created an order of worship. We read scripture. We, we remembered our creator. And hours before she would pass, we filled her hospital room. We flooded her room with singing. We flooded her sinking ship with worship. And when Blakely died, when she came to the end of the matter, she was leading us with her life. 
in worship. I cannot wait to meet my creator. I cannot wait to meet the one who made Blakely. I cannot wait to meet the one who made me. And I can't wait to meet the one who made you. Will you pray with me? Father, we come to you on our sinking ships. We are drowning. We come to you with all our problems and issues. We come to you sick and needy. We come to you worried and afraid. Father, I do not know what you have for us today or tomorrow. But before it's too late, we want to worship you. We want to sing to you. As our ships are going down, we want to raise our voices. We want to look to you and trust in you. Father, be near to us. We need you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information or would like to help support the local body of Seven Rivers, please visit our website at sevenrivers.org. Thank you.